0: Yes, hello. I am James Rhodes and today it's the WNR 343. 3. It's the Hall of Fame 2020-2021 and they say a lot can change in the year, but I don't see it personally. Uh, but I have the pleasure to be joined by Dan. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, all good. All good. We are just part of this huge WrestleMania week with, of course, uh, WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday. Of course, we're going to cover the Hall of Fame today. Uh This might become a bit of a habit if you keep showing up, Dan, so you never know.
1: Well, you know, watch this space, that's all I can say. It might become a habit, it might...
0: (laughs) Well, who knows, but like we say, the Hall of Fame last year was uh, postponed due to COVID and the Hall of Fame Induction Ceremony, the special will stream United States every on April sixth, featuring induction ceremony of both the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. But let's go back in time because of course I did a script for this way back when. it was actually WNR 280. the WNR two eighty, it's the W Hall of Fame twenty twenty. And we begin with the WR Traditions. We pay tribute to the W Hall of Fame class of twenty twenty. Na-na-na-na. Brilliant. It just isn't just in the Hall of Fame, it's in there for life
1: for life. The NWO, one of sports entertainment's most controversial factions, will be inducted into the fame <coughs> will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as part of the class of t- Hollywood Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Sean Waltman will take their place in history during the 2020 induction ceremony.
0: Well, with the NWO's induction, Hogan, Hall, Nash and Walkman will all become two-time, two-time W Hall of Fame inductees. Hogan was first inducted in 2005, Hall in 2004, uh, 14 as Razor Ramone, Nash in 2015 as Diesel and Waltman in 2019 as X-Pac of DX. They join Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels and Booker T as multi-time inductees. The news of the induction was first supported by ESPN. Well, the New World Order
1: came about at a time when sports entertainment industry was at its most contention. WCW was out to take over WWE's spot at the top of the business, but soon had to worry about an invasion of its own. Scott Hall, weeks removed from appearing on WWE television as Razor Ramon, showed up on Monday Nitro on Memorial Day 1996 and warned WCW that war was coming.
0: Well, he was soon backed up by Kevin Asher, also fresh off TV. The two promised to bring the fight to WWE's door, but promised to have a third band on their side, setting the stage for a huge six-man with WCW flag bearers Sting, Lex Luger, and the match all man, Randy Savage, at Bachelor Beach, 1996.
1: Well, during that match, the unthinkable happened. Hogan, who had, to that point, been an American hero, telling his fans to train, say their prayers, and eat vitamins crushed Savage with his trademark leg drop and embraced the Outsiders.
0: Well, Hogan's shocking actions turned the sports entertainment world on its head as garbage rained down the ring, held by fans furious at the longtime hero. Hogan told his Hulkamaniers to stick it, show him that he was not the Hulk Hogan they knew before.
1: Well, Hogan ditched his trademark red and yellow gear for black and white, added jet black stubble to his iconic moustache and began calling himself Hollywood Hogan. The new attitude, backed by the supreme swagger of Hall and Nash, made the NWO one of the most revived groups in sports entertainment history.
0: Yeah, the in-your-face attitude that Walkman added when he joined the group a week later as Walkman, aka 6, helped turn the New World Order into a premier force in WSW. They dominated WSW's stalwarts like Sting and Luger, pulled one over on the roof of the four horsemen in war games, and defaced the WSW Championship after Hogan captured it spraying painting NWO across the golden title in a crude black letters.
1: Although they might have been WCW's most nefarious
0: villains, the NWO
1: became a genuine pop culture phenomenon. Their infamous black and white t-shirt soon took over wrestling arenas as the group exploded.
0: Well, after WCW's closing in 2001, it wasn't long before a New World Order made its way to WWE. Mr. McMahon unleashed Hogan, Hall & Nash on WWE in 2002, setting the stage for dream matches between the NWO and some of the actual biggest stars, namely The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. WrestleMania 18 hosts two... Huge battles, one featuring Austin against Hall, the other putting Hogan against The Great One. Hollywood's battle against The Rock reignited the W Universe Hulkamania and kicked Hogan's second WWE stint into high gear.
1: Well, for turning the sports entertainment world upside down and going on to become one of the ring's most dominant factions, the NWO is deserving of enshrinement in WWE Hall of Fame,
0: yeah, without a doubt. And if you look at the NWO, the impact—I mean, Dan, even just between the two of us, what NWO means—I mean, what's, what does it actually mean to kind of wrestling world and the impact that it had?
1: I think it—you know—it means a huge deal to it. Before it was kind of like just WWE, but then like you had WCW, and then the NWO kind of kicked it up again. I know you had like the DX kind of style of things, like the outlandish. But I think NWO is kind of more of an adult, more serious, more like, you know, fuck you as opposed to, you know, up yours, DX was kind of delivering. Um, yeah, I think it completely changed the way that we look at the WCW's kind of rise to the top, why they was like kicking WWE's ass for a while for so long. Um, and yeah, you know, I think it it does deserve kind of place on that you know, immortal pedestal.
0: Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, like he's talking about not many groups, you know, or stables change an organisation and or change the look in the film. Like it's all about realistic storylines and everything like that brought by the NWO changed the complete product and they're kind of blessed and a curse in the cursing, yeah, because we've seen it with the journey. You know, we've watched versus WWE versus WRE throughout the years on the podcast as well and you've kind of seen how WWE always went back to that because that was the one that kind of succeeded. So, but but it's, it's interesting to see that really.
1: It is, yeah, but you know, we've... The NWO, shouldn't it kind of be all of their members? Like kind of well. <laughs> and in like all iterations of the NWO as well, like the LWO, the IWO, NWO Wolf Pack, um everyone from bloody Vincent to uh, Ted D. Yeah. should get kind of like a, a shout out for that.
0: It's weird because like it's exactly an NWO. Uh, it's four people going in, and Sean what was the character called six. So he's the sixth man that went into Surely there should be two more, you know?
1: Well, don't call me Shirley, but there should be a couple more. Um, but all of them being Hall of Famers currently... Is there kind of any point inducting them twice before other people have even been inducted once?
0: I think that's an excellent point. I think sometimes it's a little bit of polishing that WWE are doing on their part. Of the oh, like, yeah. Especially the feedback that they're getting at the moment. He's going to host that's negative.
1: Yeah, alongside a, uh, Apollo Crews. Uh, no, not Apollo Crews.
0: Um... Titus O'Neill. Yeah, Apollo Crews, like I said, is going to fight for the Intercontinental on that day as well. But th- this is the thing about it. And so many people, you know, the, the people that uh, host the podcast as well, just call him Terry because they've kind of got no respect for him in that way and there's a lot more people that should. But here on the podcast, we've covered all of the NWO shenanigans from the formation in 96 and the Wolfpack, and even Jeff Jarrett. That's um, J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T uh, joined them, but we haven't seen much of them in WF, and Grant was a brief run, but with one night, it seemed like the biggest thing in the world.
1: Well, on March the 11th, 2002, the WWE Universe witnessed history... As five of the most influential ring warriors of the 1990s squared off in what can only be described as the ultimate WWE versus WCW contest, Austin and The Rock battled the black and white clad f- faction, ultimately losing to the trio. However, there was no denying history witnessed that evening, including the first and only time Hogan and Stone Cold traded blows. Yes, yeah,
0: so that is definitely something to go and watch on the WWE net, uh, network.
1: Wouldn't you have rather seen him kind of go against, like, the X? Like, you have Hogan, Hall, Nash going against Michael, Triple
0: H. <laughs> yeah, that's what i saying. Would you have China? <laughs> that... X-Pac? <laughs> X-Pac, but he could stride, like, the X. with with the NWA, outlaws,
1: yeah. but you can't have Billy Gunn.
0: Well, the problem with the NWO in the second run is that Nash got the injury. Hall had all these kind of personal demons, and Hogan wanted to kind of be the face, didn't he? So in the end, it didn't work out. But you think about the opportunities of, like, we never had an Austin versus Hogan match. Do you think we should have... You know, it's WrestleMania week. Do you think we should have had an Austin-Hogan match at WrestleMania? Is that a big enough thing? Not later on. No, I, I think... Um, I don't
1: know. I don't think later on. I think if at any time, it should have been... Early 2002, or kind of during the Attitude Era.
0: Would you have swapped Hogan versus Rock for Hogan versus Austin at that no. time? And would you? And I guess the answer here, would you rather have seen Goldberg and Hogan, uh, Goldberg and Austin at any point compared to Hogan and Austin? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I think that's that's the match, isn't it?
1: Well, they're the two, even though they're kind of really different. And I think it was on. Um, Oh, podcast.
0: Oh, right, yeah, Broken Skull. Broken
1: Skull Ranch. Are you done with Goldberg, and like people are saying, oh, yeah, they kind of thought we were being poles apart.
0: Yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it? And that's the an interesting matchup. Of course, the NWO, very worthy to go into the Hall of Fame, completely change professional wrestling. And our next entrant.
1: Yes, it is JBL. The brash, bruising cowboy turned stock market maven. And world champion is the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame's class.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he's won a lot of titles. WWE champion, intercontinental United States, and of course, tag team champion. Got a Grand Slam winner. Who would have thought it for JBL, eh?
1: Indeed, yes. Well, the road to the WWE Hall of Fame began for JBL in 1995 when he arrived as Justin Hulk Bradshaw. <laughs> The honoree Texan with a propensity for taking his opponent's heads off a lariat, so devastating it would go on to be known as the clothesline from hell.
0: But it was when he joined forces with another hard-hitting superstar, fellow W Hall of Famer Ron Simmons, that his career truly began to take off. Known as the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Simmons served as the ruthless enforcers for the Untaker's Ministry of Darkness, ensuring the phenom's will was done and bulldozing anyone who stood in their way.
1: But when the ministry disbanded, Bradshaw and Simmons stuck together, showing a little entrepreneurship in the process. Two, open the Acolyte Protection Agency, renting out their service as bodyguards to anyone who could pony up the cash to keep the cold ones coming. The APA always had a line out of their makeshift office door, whether it was superstars looking for protection or for someone, or someone looking to get in on their rowdy poker game. The two heavy hitters also racked up free reigns as well tag team champions.
0: But when APA closed its doors for good, Bradshaw did not ride off into the sunset, No, instead he showed us that underneath his gruff exterior lied one of the most cunning competitors in WWE history.
1: Embracing his success on the stock market, John Bradshaw Layfield traded in his sleeveless tee and jeans for a white cowboy hat and suit, along with a limousine with bullhorns attached to Though the WWE Universe was not thrilled with the shocking change, it proved to be the jolt that the Texan needed.
0: Well, the Tycoon became an immediate contender for the WWE Championship and defeated Eddie Guerrero at the Great American Bash in 2004. Texas ball-rope match to win the title, JBL held the championship until WrestleMania the following year when he was dethroned by John Cena. Well,
1: JBL went on to capture the Intercontinental and United States Championships becoming one of the few stars that can call themselves a triple crown winner. Though he hung up his boots after WrestleMania 25 in 2000, and he did not stay away from WWE for long.
0: No, he returned in 2012. This time as a colour commentator lending his expertise on the match game to give the WWE Universe unique insight. After since calling the action of Raw and SmackDown, as well as his turn as NXT's general manager, JBL, left WWE to focus on charity work with at-risk kids in communities through organisations like Beyond Rugby, Bermuda, and Beyond Sport, where he was named as Global Ambassador.
1: Well, for his incredible career in the ring and behind the microphone, JBL is being recognised with the ultimate induction into the WWE Hall of Fame.
0: Well, thoughts on JBL. I mean, like I said, it's been an incredible career when you think about Justin Hawke Bradshaw. And I remember in 96 when Mankind debuted, it was Undertaker versus Bradshaw and he was kind of like a nobody. And the thing is to stick through that with the character changes that he had. I mean, you know, and the APA have to go in by themselves, you know.
1: So he was in a tag team early on as well, wasn't he? With his
0: he was he was in the Black Jacks back That's in it. back Black in
1: Bradsh- Blackjack Bradshaw. Yeah, he was yes. that in
0: '97. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um. So he has kind of he's been a stalwart in WWE, and he's kind of you know changed up his gimmick to kind of suit what the era he's going for. You know, like when Wall Street guys was known as being dickheads, he thought, "Fuck it, you know, I'll change my career, be a Wall Street douche, and It works for him. You know, he's WWE champion.
0: I think without a doubt, you know, he's not the greatest wrestlers, but there are not many JBL classics, I suppose. But let's settle for the most famous victory against Latina Heat, Eddie Guerrero. It's June 27, 2004, which so I was so pissed off when JBL defeated Eddie. But after finding out Eddie struggled with being champion, I was actually grateful to JBL for beating him. Even the man himself thinks he was lucky.
1: Well, when I was younger, it, meaning titles, didn't mean as much. Fortunately, when I got the WWE Championship, I was older and I'd been around for a while. And I already thought my career was over. JBL shared I had torn my bicep. I had two hernia surgeries. I thought my career was over, and all of a sudden, a little luck happened again for me. Kurt Angle had gotten hurt. Brock Lesnar had left the company. Big Show was out. Then to wrestle Eddie Guerrero, in, and it was just luck, and it got me, fr- and it got thrust upon me late in my career. And I think because of that, I think I appreciate it much more.
0: You no, know, JBL defeating Eddie Grove for the WWE Championship was for many a death nil for the prize of their personal interest in the industry. But the title's relegation to a second fiddle strap suited to Shethos Hill on Smackdown whilst Triple H's ego ran Rampant and Raw. Actually got really, really good, but not great in that position too. Somehow was just about just finding a spot on the card before John Cena replaced him and the title belt. Itself. So, final thoughts on Bradshaw. I mean, like you said, incredible career.
1: I think, yeah, you know, his career has been absolutely brilliant. I think, you know, he's kind of been marred with a few asterisks of kind of, you know, his bullying of Mauro Ronaldo, him going after the blue meanie, kind of, you know, and he's also been known to haze some of the younger guys backstage as well. But I think a stalwart like. John Bradshaw Layfield and someone kind of, you know, everyone in the locker room must look up to him like a leader. Sin everyone come and go. So, yeah, you know, he definitely deserves the hall of fame.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Well, who's up next? Well, it's one of our own. He's one of our own.
1: Davey Be Boy Smith. Smith. He's, He's one, one of our own. own. Yes, yeah, so that is the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. A man so brilliant of six words in his name. He will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2020. Well, look at
0: the championship. Intercontinental champion, European championship two times, hardcore championship two times, tag team championship two times.
1: Well, yes, Smith first broke into the squared circle as a teenager in his home country of England. Competing alongside his cousin, the Dynamite Kid, the two Brits soon caught the eye of the Hart family who brought them to Calgary Stampede Wrestling. There, Smith and Dynamite grew as competitors both as rivals and tag team partners.
0: Well, known as the British Bulldogs, the two quickly became one of the most impressive tag teams in the world. Smith's raw power was the perfect complement to Dynamite's kid's speed and precision. The two debuted in WWE in 1984, quickly became one of the WWE Universe's most beloved tandems as they engaged in a rivalry with the Hart Foundation. At WrestleMania two, 2, with the heavy metal legend Ozzy Osbourne in their corner, the Bulldogs defeated the Dream Team to capture the World Tag Team Championship stage of them all. Well, at the
1: tail end of the uh, the 80s, Smith and Dynamite Kid left WWE to compete internationally. But Smith returned in 1990 competing as the British Bulldog. He once again became immensely popular with the WWE Universe, this time as a singles competitor. Bulldog's return to WWE was highlighted by two huge victories in his homeland. First, he outlasted 19 other superstars to win a 1991 Battle Royal in London's Royal Albert Hall. One year later, in front of more than 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium, he defeated Bret the Hitman Hart to win the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 19 in what is widely regarded as one of WWE's finest matches.
0: Well, the British Bulldog will continue to be a global-renowned superstar throughout the nights with stints in WSW as well as WWE will become the first-ever European champion, hardcore and world tag team champion once again, this time with Owen Hart.
1: Although British Bulldog passed away in 2002, his impact on WWE cannot be denied, and he is more than deserving of enshrinement into the WWE Hall of Fame.
0: Without a doubt. And we have planned a superstar profile for the last couple of years with the British Bulldog. We never got round to it. Uh, and Hopefully, at some point, we'll get it done. But kind of what an impact from the uh, kind of, uh, arguably, would say now, the greatest... British wrestler of all time the probably the most well known you ask anybody to British wrestler the British Bulldog will probably be on top of their mind what kind of impact did he have on you and you, you know about his career as well
1: well you know kind of like being a young star I was always ashamed of being English and seeing British Bulldog over there in the big old US of A kind of representing his Union Jack flag coming out with his little Bulldog Matilda you know and he was just kind of like he was built like a brick shithouse You
0: know, and it's like, I'm proud to be... Well, Dan, look at Wembley Stadium as well, you know, 80,000.
1: My cousin was there to see it.
0: Isn't that crazy, watching that, you know, and... In, in, it had a bigger crowd in WrestleMania 3, but it doesn't get talked about because, obviously, they ups that attendance there. But it's incredible to think what the Bulldog did and his impact. And it's a shame, really, like the British Bulldogs kind of get forgotten about with the Dynamite Kid uh, and, of course, their troubles that they had as well. I think the British Bulldog should be inducted. But, of course, uh, obviously, that's a problem. But it's great the British Bulldog is in. But, again, like we talked about, but Owen Hart uh, has not been in. Of course, that's due to other circumstances. Dynamite Kid's another one as well. Um, so, you know, it's interesting, but there's no doubt he definitely deserves to go into the Hall of Fame, you know?
1: Absolutely, yeah. You know, he is um, an honour for a British Panda. We all love
0: No doubt it. Well, the match to check out is March 3rd, 1997, Raw versus Owen Hart, and it's to crown the first ever European Championships.
1: It is one of the best matches in Monday Night Raw history and a frustrating false dawn for the brand new belt, the European Championship scrap between brother-in-laws. Davy Boy Smith and Owen Hart was light years ahead of the product at the time and in keeping with WWE's in-ring form during its commercial nadir. The only way was down, but... Few after this would have predicted how steep the drop would be.
0: But why was the title created? Well, the European title was not created simply to make the British Bulldog happy. In fact, only a year after the title was created, they let him walk to WCW. Bulldog was not that high of a priority to them.
1: The real reason they created the European title was because at the time, D'Lo Brown didn't have a chance. No, <laughs> WWF was losing popularity in the United States to WCW. But WWF was still by was still number one international. Even at the peak of NWO's popularity, WWF was still way, way ahead of WW over there in Canada. And same story in other countries all over the world. Only in America was WCW number one. So Vince started taking advantage of WCW's one weakness, the international market. That is why they created the European title. It is also why they held Pay per views like Canadian Stampede.
0: Well, it was all part of a larger strategy by the WF to market itself as a more international company, too, and it was a smart strategy by Vince and the WF. WSW didn't make its product available to many people outside the United States. WSW TV wasn't in Canada until ninety seven. they very rarely even travelled outside the United States. WWE has managed very much the same style as the old territory of wrestling. WF, on the other hand, frequently travelled not to Europe, but all over the world, and thus creation of the European title was a continuation of the stranglehold on the international wrestling fan base. What a lovely little story to go with a British Bulldog. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely, yes. You know, when when I think
1: of um, British Bulldog, I always wonder how the European title was actually created. And James, thank you very much. For helping me clear that up.
0: All right, final thoughts on the Bulldog then. Uh, like we said, definitely deserves going in the Hall of Fame, doesn't yes, he? Yes,
1: absolutely. Like? Um, you know, it's kind of, again, not without its asterisks, kind of finding out about what he was on the night before that huge monumental match before Bret Hart, kind of, you know, it's, again, but you can't kind of judge someone for what kind of personal demons they go through.
0: Do you think Bulldog won the WF Championship at one point? I mean, you look at the run that he had, look yes. how close he come to the top.
1: Yes, I, I believe he should have He should have won it. I think that would have been a huge thing in the history of wrestling if Bulldog had have won yeah, it. Yeah, it's
0: incredible to think that Drew McIntyre was the very first yeah. British WWE champion. We look at the legacy that there is in professional wrestling. And up next, unbelievably, is the Bellas.
1: James, I know you have been personally <laughs> writing letters... <laughs> To Vincent K himself, asking for this induction into the Hall of Fame. You're sat there wearing a fucking Bella's t-shirt, James. Don't give me that bullshit.
0: No, to be fair, but you are dressed as Bree, so I do appreciate that.
1: Bree mode. You said I'd get a prize for dressing like this. Well, yes, Nikki and Brie Bella, two of the most iconic female superstars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I nearly got through that. I so oh, nearly. No, Nikki and Brie Bella, two of the most iconic female superstars in WWE history, are the latest inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020.
0: Well, the Divas champion uh, twice was Nikki, and Brie won the Divas champions
1: Yes, a driving force behind WWE reality TV shows, Total Divas, and then Total Bellas, the road to the WWE Hall of Fame was a long one for Nikki and Brie, who started their WWE careers by having little fun, um, in the um deceiving their opponent. They debuted in August 2008 and strung together a series of seemingly getting a second win after scampering under the ring. However, their ruse was soon to be revealed as a bit of twin magic as it was discovered that Bree's twin sister Nikki was hiding under the ring, ready to switch places and pick up the victory. James, you love it. Though they had been found out, the tactic would go on to pay off for the Bellas countless
0: times over the years. I wonder who broke the Bellas into wrestling. You know, I wonder if... uh... <laughs> one that done. Well, love to imagine. Magic was their calling card early on. Nicky and Bree proved they were extremely capable competitors. Bree was the first to capture championship gold, defeating Eve Torres to become G- Divas champion in April 2011. Nicky followed suit one year later with victory over fellow W Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. Nikki captured the title again at Survivor's 2014, throwing an AJ Lee to kickstart a reign that would last 300 days, the longest in Divas championship history.
1: Throughout WWE the Bella Twins were part of many classic rivalries facing off with the likes of Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Stephanie McMahon and even each other. They also helped introduce a new generation of fans to WWE with their hit reality shows Total Divas and Total Bellas. As well as a YouTube channel, which boasts more than 2.6
0: million subscribers. Yeah, just a couple more than ours. But thoughts—I mean, sorry, match. How the hell can you pick a match? Like, I mean, are you—are you joking? Have they had a good match? Well,
1: haven't they? Like, have they not appeared as kind of like lumberjills in a good match, <laughs> like that we could include them in or something, or it was like part of a Royal Rumble or something? Okay,
0: what about if we had a match but we had two other people in it as well who were just much much better than they were? So what two about two
1: people able to carry a match? Yes. Yeah. So
0: we'll go March twenty twenty fifteen. Everybody check it out. WrestleMania thirty one. Nikki and Bree Bella versus AJ Lee and Paige.
1: Yes, AJ Lee had returned to save Paige from the Bella twins. Previously, rivals the two would unite to take on the Kardashians of WWE. Who were the Kardashians? As they called the Bella Twins, they would have a tag team match at WrestleMania, which surprisingly, a lot of fun to watch. It was Paige's WrestleMania debut, and she put it all out there. Right? Would actually... you
0: stop right now? Right? We're gonna, we're gonna get complaints. Uh, the bell is going in. In all seriousness, before the women. Uh, with the Bellas. Do they deserve to go into the Hall of Fame for you?
1: Um, well, there's only been two good things to come out of the Bella Twins. All right, is... so our
0: penultimate pick is a man who we watched in the last match the year before he retired. We watched it last year at Wrestle Kingdom. We saw his retirement match, and that man is...
1: Jushin Thunder Liger, one of the most revolutionary competitors in sports entertainment, is the latest (coughs) inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame's class of 2020. The masked Marvel emerged in Japan in the late 80s, enchanting fans from the moment he emerged from the curtain clad in a dazzling red and white bodysuit and striking with three protruding horns. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'm just, no, that's my bad, go on. But, as, but no. as
1: impressive as he was on first glance, Liger was even more remarkable once the bell rang. Inside the ring... <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: <okay. laughs>
1: Come on, James, oh, keep I'm it together. together. Liger was an innovator in every sense of the word. His high-flying, hard-hitting style has influenced generator- generations of competitors and is credited as the inventor of the Shooting Star Press.
0: Wow, that is actually quite impressive. And Liger made his way to United States night one. arriving in the WWE, engaging in an epic rivalry with Brian Pillman over the WWE Light Heavyweight Championship. The precursors to the Cruiserweight title, Liger and Pillman's incredible bouts are still talked about to this day. Hey, do you remember that Pillman-Liger uh, match, see? We were only talking about <laughs> yes it yesterday. Yeah. Some of the most influential in sports entertainment history.
1: Liger appeared for WCW sporadically throughout the 1990s, taking on competitors like Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko. Meanwhile, in his home country of Japan, he established himself as one of the greatest competitors, becoming an 11-time IWGP junior heavyweight, even after a brain tumour. He went nearly four decades without competing in a WWE ring until he made his WWE debut at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015, defeating Tyler Breeze in a battle that brought the NXT universe to its feet.
0: Well, Jushin Thunder Liger retired in January last year, making a grapple with the distinction of having competed in five different decades. And now he will add another incredible accolade. Resume, the WWE Hall of Fame. What do you think of Jushin Thunder Liger? I mean, what an absolute legend.
1: I think, yeah, Jushin Thunder Liger, he is an absolute legend of wrestling. You know, someone who was ahead of his time throughout his whole career. Um. again you know going into the WWE Hall of Fame is that kind of like you know for his one match in NXT
0: <laughs> it was a great match it was I know, but, yeah, then, but literally that's how good it was stings, you get Hall of-, w
1: Hall of Fame for yeah. being good in WCW so you know who am I to judge it? Yeah, you know he certainly deserves to be in the wrestling hall of fame. Fuck the WWE Hall of Fame, but just wrestling itself, Hall yeah, of
0: Fame. I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I think if you look in the WWE as a Hall of Fame for wrestling and someone like like Sir so Juju Van Liger definitely deserved to be involved in the match, go check it out. February twenty ninth, nineteen ninety two, Super Bowl two.
1: two. Well, from ninety one to late ninety, I had a fantastic feud with Brian Pillman over the WCW light heavyweight title. with Liger holding it for two months before losing it back to Pillman at Super Bowl in ninety two. The feud not only exposed Liger to a national US audience, but also caused the Cruiserweight style's popularity to skyrocket, as Pillman used his win off the feud to propel himself to stardom, which later allowed himself to switch to the loose cannon. Liger and Pillman reignited their feud for one night only in the very first match of the very first Monday Nitro.
0: Well, Liger had to take response for wrestling as he had to leave uh, to surgery to remove a brain tumour Despite knowing he had to have surgery, I worked at j Crown Tournament and lost to Altman Dragon in the first round. Surgery led him to reduce the high-flying aspect of his moose but switching to using more powerful and technical offence to lessen the stress of the body. Uh, but again, incredible story there. You talk about what he had to go through. Most people would have retired and walked away. And the fact that he came back as well to have the kind of send-off that he deserved, you know?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, kind of someone that I'm sure... Even though he is retired, he's going to have a lot of influence still on younger members backstage if he's kind of working a training place, which I think that would be the perfect place for him to go to.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. An absolute legend. And our last entrant, Dan. And he walks alone! <laughs> he does indeed. It is Batista.
1: Yes, and he's going to be inducted by Fit Finlay.
0: And he's a WWE champion. He's two-time WWE champion. He's a four-time world heavyweight champion, a three-time world tag team champion, and a one-time WWE tag team champion. Why
1: didn't you put that in like he's a four-time heavyweight champion, three-time tag team champion, two-time WWE champion, and one-time champion? You are
0: having a go at something I did last year. Sharp.
1: Well, Batista, the legendary six-time world champion and Hollywood star, will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as part of the Class of 2020.
0: Well, the road to the Hall of Fame was not easy for the man known as the Animals. He grew up on the rough streets of Washington, D.C. However, determined to make sunk of himself, he set his sights on the squared circle. A WWE scout telling Batista he'd never make it as a wrestler, only made his resolve stronger. Under the tutelage of the WWE Hall of Fame, AFA, the Wild Samoan. he earned his way into WWE.
1: Debuting in 2002 as the muscle for Reverend Devon Vaughn, Batista soon caught the eye of Triple H and Ric Flair, who each took the animal under their wing. Their guidance helped launch Batista to squared circle superstardom. The three, along with Randy Orton, were known as Evolution and ran Roughshod over Monday Night Raw. The animal even got his first taste of championship gold, winning the world tag team title with the young buck known as Ric Flair.
0: However, Batista's star would soon become too big to be held down by Triple H and the title broke out of his own. Within 2005 Royal Rumble match, going on to defeat his mentor in the main event at WrestleMania 21 to become World Heavyweight Champion. It was the start of nearly five years of dominance for the animal, where he was a top dog on SmackDown or Royal Championships were never far from his waist. Batista engaged in the classic rivalries with the likes of John Cena, The Undertaker, Randy Orton, among others, cemented himself as one of WWE's all time greats.
1: The animal left WWE in 2010, but returned to the squared circle in 2014, winning his second. And I believe that that got a brilliant response, didn't it? I'm sure that <laughs> was um, I'm sure that was met with a lot a lot of cheers. Yeah, boo they were chatting. <clears throat> ah, right. Well, and earning another main event match on the grandest stage of them all, Wrestle Batista, Orton, and Triple H also reunited Evolution for a pair of epic showdowns with The Shield before making the animals exit that summer.
0: Well, in addition to his success inside the ring, Batista also became a bona fide star on the silver screen. The animal broke out, bringing Drax Destroyer to life in the hit Marvel movie, Gardens of the Galaxy, and starred in the film sequel as well as well as smash hit, little film called Avengers. And he also starred in Spectre, the 2015 installment of the James Bond series, Blade Runner 2049, and Stuber, which wasn't terrible. But for all his Hollywood su- su- <coughs> success, The
1: Animal still had one thing he wanted to accomplish inside the WWE ring. Defeating Triple H at WrestleMania. And Batini went to WWE in February 2019, doing anything he could to get the game's attention. Vowing to end Triple H's career, The Animal got his wish at WrestleMania 35, but came up short in a gruelling no-holds-barred match against his one-time man. After the match, Batista officially retired from the ring.
0: Well, for his incredible success in the squared circle and crossed over to Stardom in Hollywood, there's no more deserving of his shrine in the Hall of Fame than Batista. What are your thoughts on Big Dave? Well, Big Dave, um, yeah, he's, he's not really someone I would uh,
1: kind of class as a great wrestler, a great grappler. You know, he's kind of like a latter-day Goldberg. You know, someone who's big, he can do a few moves inside the ring, wouldn't really be able to put my finger on any four and a half five-star classics he's had but you know someone again who's been a mainstay he's done everything he can and needs to do inside the WWE ring so yeah you know he definitely deserves to
0: be now, I think about that and you think you know like influence like people like ultimate Warrior, you know shaking the ropes like he did I will say his match WrestleMania 23 against Untaker is is off the uh, the, the chain as Taz would say and also the match we're going to pick out June 26 2005 Vengeance versus Triple H, Head in the Cell. It's a 50-minute classic, but the weapons involved and the usage of them makes the match better overall, you know? So uh, I think... Okay, but thoughts on the class. So we looked at the 2020 class. Is it stronger than previous years? What are your thoughts overall? That
1: is quite as strong, but I notice it's kind of like sausage-heavy. Very sausage-heavy.
0: Yes. Well, and look what we shit all over the Bellas as well. So,
1: yeah, you know, like, you know, the only <laughs> female representatives, we just rip the piss out yeah. of them. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you actually, yeah, you <laughs> know, one up for the females. Well,
0: while well, this Class of 2020 is expected to be part of the ceremony this year... Batista didn't expect not to be involved in a limited fan capacity. So, everything you just listen to, don't listen to it. You know? um,
1: no, not all of it, just the Batista. Oh, bit. just the Batista, yes. Yeah, well, per Philip Hendricks of Ringside News, WWE recently removed the Animal from the list of Hall of Fame inductees this year on its official website. The move was made because the company wants him to be inducted when a full crowd can uh, <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> well,
0: Dave Batista said to the W Universe... Fortunately, due to previous obligations, i am unable to be part of the W Hall of Fame this year, but my request they have agreed to induct me at a future ceremony where I'm able to properly thank the fans and people who made my career possible. So there you go, Batista not going in. Is that a bit of a shock, or is it because, you know, he's just filming and, and stuff like this?
1: Um, well, again, you know, it's It's kind of like, a, especially with the corona kind of restrictions going on, um, But it might have, I think he could have been free if he really wanted to be free.
0: I think that is a perfect point to make on that. Uh, So we'll move on to the 2021 class. And Dan, you wanted women and we start off with one of my favourites of all time.
1: Yes, Molly Holly. A true pioneer to women's wrestling is the first inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2021. She was surprised with the news of her induction by a former Hurricane on WWE's The Bump.
0: Well, after training under the man of the Thousand Holes, Dean Malenko, Holly broke into the wrestling business in 97 and first appeared on television for WW in 1999 alongside fellow Hall of Famer, Macho Man Randy Savage and London yes. Braves as part of the Team Madness on the glittering blue dress and sash Holly looked like a beauty queen but she was ruthless inside the ring and one thing I I, I found out recently as well is that the Macho Man rang WWE in 2000 and said have you got any work for Molly Holly because I've worked with her and I think she's good so this kind of you know first off the story of Macho Man having this kind of broken relationship with WWE and plus you know getting a foot in the door to help Molly Holly I think it's quite interesting so James just
1: how would that phone conversation have gone? <laughs> I'll be Vince McMahon and you be what? <laughs> Come on, do a bit of role playing with <laughs> me. <man. laughs> we haven't <laughs> done role playing for ages. So you're gonna be Vince McMahon. And even then you want us to be brothers and we always end up naked and touching <laughs> oh, each other.
0: I'll be a matching like, I'll be like Ooh, the matching man! Is that you, Vince? I've got something to see What do you want? Damn it! I've got something something thinking. Thinking, thinking, I got someone you might like. Uh, Just spread it out, damn it! <laughs> Who is it? Her name is B. Molly Ringwood. Damn it! I'm gonna put her with Holly and Crash, and she's gonna become a Holly, damn it! Oh, yeah! Would Dig she it. like to wear a blonde wig for me? Savvy do, Slim Jim! Vince <laughs> out! So that's what it would have sounded like, I suppose. Um, did you
1: find an exact recording? Of that I did. Phone? <laughs> it's incredible. Wow, man! It's
0: like a fly on the wall.
1: Well, she made the jump to WWE in 2000, recommended by Matchper. The phone conversation you heard previously, and immediately became embroiled in a bitter famous family rivalry between her cousins, Hardcore Holly and Crash Holly, and the Dudleys. But a romance bloomed between Molly and Spike Dudley, as quickly became the Romeo and Juliet of WWE.
0: Well, Holly then embraced her in a superhero, turned into Mighty Molly as she joined forces of the Hurricane. Stand back, there's a hurricane coming through. Say that. Her newfound superhero powers helped her win the hardcore championship at WrestleMania 18 in 2002.
1: After her turn as a caped crime fighter, Holly got serious and a little self-righteous and set her sights on WWE's biggest female stars. Starting with Trish Stratus. He defeated Stratus to win the WWE Women's Championship for the first of her two reigns at King 2000.
0: Well, Holly took on all comers during her two turns as champion, although it actually came back to haunt her as the second reign ended and she was shaved bald by Victoria at WrestleMania 20.
1: So, Victoria pinned her down and shaved her bald. Indeed. I don't even want to know which part. I'm just going to, Yeah. Well, Holly left WWE in 2005, but returned to take part in the first ever Women's Royal Rumble match in 2018, as well as the 2020 edition of the Over the Top Rope Melee. Her impact on women's wrestling has been felt to this day as she is consistently cited by today's superstars as an inspiration. After a legendary career, Molly Holly is more than deserving of induction into the WWE Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're we're all joking uh, aside. Like you said, Molly Holly is one of these um, superstars, that kind of transcended time. And, And with the Hollies, you know, with Molly... Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, you know I like hardcore. I I thought Crash was, was really really cool as well. But you know Molly being kind of the one that you, you kind of sided with as well, and in a relationship with Spike, you kind of followed her with that. And she was so desperate to get on the card at WrestleMania 20, she actually suggested that she shave her head. There's dedication there. And the Molly Go Round is one of the fucking uh, a move that still is still great at this time. But I mean, what a performer! What are your thoughts on Molly Holly? You know,
1: yeah, she's um, she's kind of like. Been different to the other women, you know. The other women that would kind of be matches or the good houseware matches, you know. She was going out there doing her thing, hardcore champion. She was out there, you know, kind of having intergender tag team matches with uh, <coughs> what's his name, hard uh, not hardcore Holly, um, the Hurricane. Um, yeah, you know, and she, she was kind of putting her own little path, which I think and, you know, definitely deserved to hold the Women's Championship as well.
0: Well, it's weird, and we talked about it as well, you know, like when she came in with, like, long blonde hair and finally being able to kind of be herself a little bit, and she was kind of different to what we uh, saw for most, you know, WWE, you know, divas at the time as well, so... And like I said, the influence that she's had. No one says a bad word about Molly Holly as well. Uh, And of course, she—I mean, she definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, doesn't she? You know,
1: absolutely. Yeah, you know, up there alongside Lita, Trish Stratus, uh, Beth Phoenix. You know, all the women. Deserving of being up there. Notice I did it into the <laughs> Hall of Fame.
0: <coughs> yeah. But, you know, I think people like, uh, you can look at this as well, you know, people like Victoria, maybe even Jazz, you know, someone like that kind of broke the mould back in the day for future times, but definitely this year for Molly Holly. And uh, it's time for our next entrant.
1: I'm back! Yes, it is Eric Bischoff, a pioneer behind the scenes in sports entertainment as well as an incredibly entertaining performer in front of the camera. He is the latest inductee into the WWE's Hall of Fame class of 2021. Prized with the news on after his of his induction on WWE after the bell.
0: Well, Bischoff broke into the sports entertainment industry in the late 80s for fellow Hall of Fame, Vern Gagne's AWA. He started off in the sales, but soon became an on-air talent, hosting the AWA's shows on ESPN and interviewing the legendary territory stars. But as the 90s arrived, the AWA was on the brink of going out of business, so Bischoff made a move that would eventually change the industry forever
1: world championship wrestling in 1991 hosting shows and calling the action on wcw's weekly television shows but by the mid 90s bischoff had risen the ranks and became executive producer of wcw he helped bring hulk hogan to the company and launched wcw monday nitro the competitor to wwe's monday night raw Boys and girls, that is basically what Cody Rhodes is doing. You know that. Yeah, the competitor to Monday Night Raw that kicked off the infamous Monday Night War that helped make sports entertainment a pop culture phenomenon.
0: And Bischoff didn't shy away from the camera either, joined up with a 2020 Hall of Fame inductees, the NWO, that they ran roughshod on the promotion. After WSW po- uh, purchased WSW in 2001, he brought his brand of ruthless leadership to WWE and HLA in 2002 as the first general manager of Monday Night Raw. His arrival was one of the most shocking moments in W history, and his time in charge of the Red brand was defined by one simple phrase, controversy creates cash.
1: Well, Bischoff never strayed far from, general, uh, from controversy as general manager as he engaged in rivalries with the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Weren't they kind of like co-general managers yeah, yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant TV. And John Cena. He continued to innovate as well with concepts like Raw Roulette and the Elimination Chamber, which lives as one of WWE's annual pay-per-view events.
0: Well, for Bischoff's innovation behind the scenes and his memorable performances in front of the camera, there is no greater honour than the induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I will say on a personal note, you know, I mean, Eric Bischoff, if there's anybody that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, it is him. First off, what are your your thoughts of of Bischoff?
1: absolutely yeah you know eric bischoff someone who kind of always seemed like he knew where he wanted to be and you know he started off uh wcw taking low level and he rose to kind of be the man on screen kind of like being the, the face of it all eric bischoff you know so on camera but and um, for what he's done you know he's, tna he's done stuff in wwe he's done stuff you know he has been all over the world you know all over the place um did he kind of deserve a bit more time kind of in charge of... What was in charge of? He uh, recently was, let go after... Eventually? He was. He
0: was part of, uh, I think, the SmackDown writing team. Because
1: Paul Heyman was doing the Raw then. Was when doing it, the yeah.
0: Raw ones. And had it, it last about a year, now Bruce Pritchard has kind of taken over a control there. But even Bischoff and his... You know, I don't like shout out other podcasts, but eight, three weeks with, with Bischoff, uh, you know, is one of the most popular ones out there. And it's uh, he, kind of no hard feelings. And, and like I said, there's no, no one... Not not anybody, not even Tony Khan with his, you know, millions and whatever it is now. There is no one who's you know, people go with Turner or it's his money. There's no one with that amount of money that has beaten the WWE at what they do. And there is no doubt WWE, yes, it all ended horribly. Like it's the reason. We've done a whole podcast series about what went wrong. But there is no one else that's actually got ahead of WWE and became number one. And that is Eric Bischoff. And say what you will about kind of the gimmicks or what he'd done or with the NW or anything like that. There is only one person. And that is just fact, you know?
1: <laughs> like... Absolutely. You know, the man has worked magic. You know, he he turned WWE from pretty much nothing. Beating the best, basically, you know, the beaters.
0: And it's interesting as well. If it happened... So if we're living in like an alternate reality, whatever it was, and it was WWF that went out of business at that time, do you think Vincent Mann would have showed up on Nitro as an on-screen character a year later to feud with Bischoff? Would he? Because it takes balls. I mean, you were beating the company, you've lost everything, and now you're going to have to just, you know, work for them. You know, like... It takes something. Would that have happened?
1: Oh, I don't think Vince McMahon... No, I don't think he would have done. I think Vince McMahon would have been the a TNA kind of, <laughs> yeah. of... Possibly. I don't know. Or he might have kind of... con. Uh, kind of put his attentions back to that XFL thing. You know, that could have been better.
0: Do you know what I mean? It's incredible to think, you know, Bischoff, you know, and the way he was as an on-screen character, was brilliant, like, talk about the thing with Austin, with the kind of, they getting getting, uh, what was it, the Bronco Buster from May Young, and and all this kind of, the, he the weren't afraid
1: thing. to take his licks. <laughs> you know, I think he probably got a finisher from everyone there, <laughs> and weren't he like a, jujitsu fucking black belt <laughs> yeah, or something but every yeah, time he was in the ring he'd be running yeah. away and hiding and scared of everything yeah. but he was just an absolutely brilliant character
0: yeah without that like I said great on screen uh, great off there like I said there's probably no one more deserving to be in the Hall of Fame than Eric Bishop
1: absolutely yes and James the next entrant who is it it's Kane it's Kane <laughs> <clears throat> Well, Kane is the latest inductee into the Hall of Fame's class of 2020. The big red monster was surprised with the news by his brother, not real brother though, The Undertaker, during WWE's The Bump. He's going to cry. He's going to cry. Go on. Go on, Kane. Go on, Kane.
0: (laughs) We are just watching the clip and I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go.
1: Undertaker's eyes are well in. His lips quivering. (laughs) Go on, Kane. Let's have some big red tears. Hall of Fame without Keane. Oh. I'm going to be the pain. Come on. The chin's going. Lips quivering. Oh, they're both going home. Come on. The brothers of tears. Oh. Crying.
0: So there we go. We just watched it on the bump down. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I thought he was going to cry. <laughs> um... <coughs> The folks behind the button.
0: The folks behind the Kane getting in into- I mean, that is just a beautiful clip, isn't it? You know?
1: uh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, who better to kind of be the one telling him the man who kind of, not so much give him his first big break, but kind of, you know, the man who Kane was sent there to be the tormentor of, the Joker to Undertaker's Batman, so yeah. to speak.
0: Uh, and I think what's really interesting as well is you talk about the Hall of Fame, you know, do people take it seriously? Look at reaction there of Kane, look at Undertaker, see what it means to them, you know?
1: Absolutely, but... Again, you know, for, for the Kane, Kane deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, he his legendary career when he first came in as Isaac Yankum and then kind of went down the Kane route, it was absolutely monumental career, you know.
0: It was kind of funny as well to think, you know, if I know the Undertaker got his help in, but if the Undertaker wasn't there, then we'd be talking about Kane like people are talking about the Undertaker. You know, does Kane maybe get enough credit for kind of how long a run that was, think how much success he had, you know, and it's kind of maybe... Not gets forgotten about, do you know what I mean? But it kind of maybe not as uh, built up as maybe others, you know?
1: Yeah, well, you know, like after his kind of couple of failed gimmicks, you know, kind of like the the one that actually works just so happens to be... The one that's the Undertaker's brother. Yeah. Can kind of, you could probably argue both sides of it very well in a mass debate.
0: Yeah, well, we we'll have
1: we'll a, a mass debate after the show. We
0: haven't had a mass debate in a long time, but the man behind Kane's Cats, a 53 year old Glenn Jacobs, signed with WE, like I said, 95. It didn't initially find much success.
1: Well, no, after stints as wrestling as a dentist named as Isaac Yankum. I mean, who would do that nowadays, yeah. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD? and an imposter of Diesel, Jacobs finally got his big break in 90 when he was cast as The Undertaker's long-lost brother, Kane. Like... Sorry, before you carry on, um, you just said about The Undertaker came without the, you know, 97, Undertaker's character's seven years old. Would he have been getting a bit stale when they're like, right, let's fucking inject a bit of uh, red stuff into this?
0: Well, there's two things that really helped The Undertaker out at that time. In 96, the debut of Mankind, and the kind of feuds that these two would have to kind of freshen up the character, and then secondly, the Kane story, and like I said, kind changed everything then, and built what it was because the, the thing is with Kane as well, and we're going to get onto it is it was meant to be a first, you know, first and done deal. The match was meant to happen at Mania, and then that was it for Kane. And because the character was so strong, they kept on. And then look at the kind of character development uh, that kind of Kane had as John went away from Ministry of Darkness to American Badass. You know, Kane was kind of as you were getting kind of stronger and stronger at that point. You know. But, like I said, entwined with a dead man from the very beginning, long thought to have perished in a fire at the family's funeral home. Kane emerged through hellfire with brimstone to haunt his brother in the full 97, infamously tearing the door of Hell in Cell to confront the untaker being one of WWE's most truly heated rival. That's gotta be Kane! That's gotta be Kane!
1: To settle their score, the Big Red Monster and the Phenom clash in every type of match. They battled surrounded by flames in their first ever Inferno match, were locked inside Hell in a Cell and even tried to bury each other. It's surprising that they were ever able to get along, but they did. Proving to be one of WWE's most deadly tag teams, the Brothers of Destruction wreaked havoc on WWE, capturing the World Tag Titles and the WWE Tag Team titles.
0: Well, Kane also embraced the lighter side of things in WWE, as best evidenced by his time as a member of the team Hell No with Daniel Bryan. The pair Sojourn onto to anger management classes, had W fans rolling on the floor in laughter. Added to the infamous attempt to hug it out in the middle of the room. warm embraces, the side of for the duel was also threatening. They captured the W Tag Team titles.
1: When not part of a tag team, came also proved to be one of the most dominant superstars in here. the Devil's favorite demon captured the WWE Championship, World Heavyweight Championship, ECW title, Intercontinental title, won the 2010 Money in the Bank ladder match. Anyone with a resume like that is destined for the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, now Jacobs is the mayor of Knox County in Tennessee, although he still makes the occasional appearances. WWE entry in the 2021 Royal Rumble match in January.
1: Kane boasts not only one of the greatest characters in wrestling history, but he's also part of one of the greatest rivalries and storyline.
0: Well, given his on screen history and real life friendship with the dead man, it's only fitting a taker would want to inform him of the Hall of Fame on and we spoke about it. Kane is a first ballot. Is he a headline act in a Hall of Fame class?
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know, just the the longevity of his career. And, you know, it's kind of always have to put him with The Undertaker as well. You know, his career, it started with The Undertaker, but they kind of like drifted apart, found each other again around WrestleMania 20, drifted apart again, you know. And they always met along the line, you No know, teaming up to go against Triple H in one of the worst matches in history <laughs> um, to, you know, appearing in the Rumble, hugging out with Daniel Bryan yeah absolutely brilliant
0: yeah a hall of fame career and i'll show you how good a career it is if you go back and listen to the back catalogue of the dublin podcast you're going to find so many different k moments and matches from there as well you know it is incredible you think about paul bearer being involved in that storyline as well who's in the hall of fame now and of course you know it is just a perfectly told story but our next entrant this
1: hang on sorry before we move on the fact that Batista gets his delay to have fans. Wouldn't Kane deserve that a thousand times over Batista?
0: Now that is a great because question. Regar- yeah.
1: Regardless of like Batista, I know he won the title a couple of times more, he won the rumble as well, but Kane's longevity and you know, just his career, I would always rank him over Batista.
0: Uh I think that is a very good I think overall I think Kane I would have over Batista, but I think the thing is Kane's not making Hollywood movies now. And I think that's what they kind of do when it comes to the thing. And that's it's a bit of a shame. But uh, Kane will take his lump. He will show up at the Rumble when there's no fans there as well. You know, yeah, so, I get
1: what you're saying. Kane's known to wrestling fans, but Batista's known to wrestling and movie yeah. fans. And... It, it's the
0: reason why Bad Bunny's got a singles match at WrestleMania. And you know what I mean? And Bo Dallas is sitting and catering. You know, it's like the whole kind of thing when it comes to that. But it's all about next entry. And this has to be a rib. It does.
1: The WWE Hall of Fame has gained a Tarim new member as the great Carly has been revealed as the latest inductee in the class of 2020. Carly was surprised with the news by his brother and former manager Ranjin Singh in an exclusive edition of WWE. I've actually found out recently that Ranjin Singh, he actually posted on Twitter for the first time in either two or four years. And Kevin Owens has called that Ranjin Singh is also included to be inducted into the Hall of Fame.
0: Wow, that's incredible to think that. Well talk about Carly standing seven foot one and tipping the scales at three hundred and forty seven pounds. Carly made his Titanic presence felt from the moment he first entered W Universe in two thousand six, standing toe to toe with allegedly Untaker and bulldozing over the dead man, a rare sight between the ropes.
1: The great Carly went on to battle many of WWE's most legendary superstars, including John Cena, Batista. Shawn Michaels and fellow 2021 inductee, whom he defeated to pick up his first win on the grandest stage of WrestleMania.
0: Well, a giant success would come on the July 20th, 2007 edition of SmackDown, where Carly outlasted 19 of SmackDown's superstars, lasting for make Batista and Kane to win the World Heavyweight Championship.
1: After his reign came to an end, Carly embraced his inner heartthrob, turning into the Punjabi playboy, and urging the WWE universe to get a little romantic on the Carly.
0: Well, due to success in WWE, the Great Carly has become a national hero in the home country of India. And a star of the silver screen Carly has appeared in films like MacGruber, Get Smart, and The Longest Yard. He also opened up a wrestling school in India, helping to get the next generation of Indian superstar hopefuls ready for the ring. So, what are your thoughts on the Great Carly in the Hall of Fame?
1: Well, whenever I hear the Great Carly, I think of that chant. Everyone used to chant it to: me. Uh, "You can't wrestle." Ah. I thought
0: it was you still got it. No, no. <laughs> You never um, had it.
1: Carly, you know, he is, you obviously know that where WWE are kind of launching WWE India, to have an Indian superstar in the Hall of Fame would bring some Indian eyes to the market, which would bring some eyes to Indian WWE. And...
0: But I, I completely agree with you there. But he's a terrible wrestler, no doubt. He is the very first Indian WWE champion. So I think, therefore, should kind of maybe be in the Hall of Fame in that way. Like
1: Absolutely, You yeah. know,
0: like, I know he wasn't... I can't tell you a match I say... i enjoy. I tell you what, there was one against John Cena at pay-per-view. Uh, well, I think Cena, like, FU'd him off a car. It wasn't a bad match. But then again you weren't expecting a good one, were you? you no.
1: Know, like... And then, kind of, Carly sort of turned himself into a bit of a rib as well, wouldn't he? Like, um, I think he was appearing quite a bit backstage and taking a piss out of people. Um, didn't he get eliminated from the Royal Rumble by Beth Phoenix as well? Yeah, he did. So, like I said,
0: and, and that kind of thing happened and, and, and you can see, like, it wasn't a bad career. I mean, obviously injuries and he couldn't maybe stand, you know, towards the end or, you know, have problems like that. But, for a kind of success, I suppose he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, of course, the way we're recording this as well, due to maybe time constraints and everything like this, uh, we will have the next, either it will be the next entrant or the next couple of entrant, I will give the proper details from there. One rumour is RVD going into the Hall of Fame and uh, being the next entrant. I've seen a, a picture of Paul Heyman. So I'm not going to give away who, what Hall of Fame I was talking about, but he was doing the, uh, the old thumbs. What are your thoughts on Rob Van Dam and does he deserve going to the Hall of Fame?
1: I think he does, yeah. You know, he's had uh, some brilliant matches, always kind of in the mid-card when it comes to the WWE. I think he was a bit higher in ECW. Um, He was very high in ECW, actually, (laughs) should I say. You know, a man who's not afraid to embrace his 420 um, side. But, yeah, I thought he was an absolutely brilliant wrestler. I've um, always liked seeing him in... uh, I think it was the first limit. He buckled himself coming off the top of the chamber yeah, and yeah, yeah. got eliminated rather quickly after then.
0: Well, we were right. The WWE Hall of Fame is about to get one of a kind with the addition of Rob Van Dam. The news was first reported by FoxSports.com. One of the most innovative grapplers to ever step foot in the squared circle, Van Dam first broke out in Extreme Championship Wrestling in the mid 1990s. His cool, calm, and laid-back demeanor was the complete opposite of the competitive he became once the bell rang. Employing a mix of devastating martial arts kicks breathtaking aerial attacks RVD quickly became one of ECW's most popular stars and one of its decorated champions after a brief stint in WWE Van Dam captured the ECW World Tag Team Championship held it for an astonishing 699 days RVD was also a two time ECW Tag Team Champion alongside a notorious risk taker Sabu when ECW closed in 2001 Van Damme joined his fellow ECW alumni in evading WWE and quickly endeared himself into the WWE universe and brought the fight to superstars like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle championship an in at it's first WrestleMania then went on to unify the championships with the European and Hardcore titles in this year's prowess as a singles competitor Van Damme was also a successful tag team wrestler capturing titles in blood pairings with Kane Booker T and Rey Mysterio but Van Dam's biggest success as the WWE Superstar would come in 2006. That year, he won the Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 22 and earned himself a World Championship opportunity at any point in the next year. Van Dam opted to cash in his contract on his terms, challenging WWE Champion John Cena for the title on his home turf. At York City crowd, Van Dam emerged from a wild brawl as the new WWE Champion. As ECW returned that summer, Van Dam also earned another shot. That eluded him as he was named the first ECW Champion on the Reborn brand. And following a six-year hiatus, RVD returns to WWE in 2013 to square off with a new generation of superstars, including Seth Rollins, Cesaro Sheamus, and Roman Reigns. Now in 2021, he returns to take his rightful place among sports and entertainment. Great. And like we were talking about, there is, you know, RVD definitely deserves to be a part. Of the Hall of Fame, you look at his career, and yes, it's a shame, you know, getting caught uh, with Sabu and having to uh, forfeit the WWE and ECW titles as well. Uh, you know, it is a, a bit of a shame what happened, but there's no doubt RVD during this time was one of the best wrestlers in the world. And now onto to the Celebrity Ring. Captain's Log, star Day, April 6th, 2021. The WWE Hall of Fame, the final frontier. Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, will be beamed into the W. E. Hall of Fame, Shatner is, of course, beloved by millions around the world for his iconic portrayal of James T. Kirk, captain of the U.S.S. Enterprise in the original Star Trek. As well as the motion picture series, he also starred in TJ Hooker and was host of Rescue 911. He won Emmys and Golden Globes for his portrayal of Denny Crane on Boston Legal and has released numerous albums and best-selling books. He made his first trek into the W universe in early '95 when he appeared as a special guest on Jeremy King Law's King Court. Shatner didn't take too kindly to lawyer's his badger in and sent the king flying with a monkey flip. Shatner returned to Raw one week later to be in Brett the Hitman heart's corner for a showdown with Jeff Jarrett. That's je double R-E double T. When Roadog got a little too close to the action, Shatner decked him with a big right hand and rammed him into the turnbuckle. The disagreement between Shatner and Laura turned out to be water under the bridge as Shatner returned to WWE in 2007 to induct the king into the WWE Hall of Fame. Shatner came back to the red brand as a special guest host in February 2010, giving the WWE Universe a memorable night as only he can, includes dramatic interpretation of several superstar entry themes, and uses his skill as a priceline negotiator to settle disputes. In addition, Shatner was also in the director right for the WWE Network reality series, WWE Breaking Ground. Currently, Shatner is the host of The Unexplained on the History Channel, which explores the world's most fascinating slaying inexplicable mysteries. You'll probably moment, which is in theatres and on demand now. Shatner additionally enjoys being full of planetary work, especially with the annual Hollywood charity horse show, which raises funds for children's and veterans' charities. Now, I mean, you can't really argue that Shatner is a legend, should he be in the W Hall of Fame. Uh I think it's the thing, he's had a couple of appearances, even though, you go check out listen to his, like I said, the... uh the entrance themes, especially the Shawn Michaels one. And uh, finally, with the Hall of Fame, the Warrior Award. WWE Superstar Titus Neal is scheduled to receive the Warrior Award for the 2021 W Hall of Fame class. Titus has been scheduled to receive it. Um, it was decided in February. Of course, he's going to host the event alongside Hoke Hogan. Uh, he made headlines in Tampa, where he lives. He does a lot of good for the community through his Billard Family Foundation. He previously played in the Arena Football League for the Tampa Bay Storm team. The title of course will be WWE since I in 2009. WWE introduced the Warrior Award in 2015 in honour of WWE Hall of Fame, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, the award is those to honour who have shown unwavering strength and perseverance those who live with courage and compassion that embodies the spirit of the Warrior. Past recipients include Connor the Crusher in uh, 2015, John London in, in 2016, Eric Legrand in 2017, Jairus JJ Robertson in 2018, and Sue Aitchison in 2019. That is it. Don't request cross all social media, Twitter, at the WNR Podcast, I'm at the WNRJR, WNR also on Facebook and Instagram, across all the Google platforms, send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com and YouTube, WNR Podcast with all the latest clips and podcasts at the same time. And YouTube as to do SoundCloud on your phone and also Spotify and IG to make it download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that's it. Next episode will be Thursday, Road to WrestleMania with Jaxi And then Saturday, NXT TakeOver with Monty. And we'll look at NXT UK Prelude as well. But until then, I have been Jay's Rollins. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy WrestleMania week. And don't forget to listen to the WNR. Bye.